Welcome to the Lyle Shelton Show. It's great to be coming to you from the wonderful city of Rockhampton in central Queensland, where I've just uh, conducted another one of the launches of my book, I kid you not, Notes from 20 Years in the Trenches of the Culture Wars. And it was a great privilege to have my friend, Senator Matt Canavan, uh, the Liberal National Senator for Queensland, uh, launch the book uh, here. And uh, we had a, a great night uh, with that. But I took the opportunity of meeting up with Matt in his home city uh, to have a discussion and an interview for this show. And I'm sure you'll enjoy what we had to discuss. We ranged from everything from political correctness through to economic policy, the energy debate that is raging in our country. And also we talked about family tax policy and how to give a better and fairer deal to families through the taxation system. I hope you'll enjoy this discussion. I certainly enjoyed catching up with Matt. He is a, a very intelligent uh, man. He's one of the brightest lights in the federal parliament. And uh, I'm sure he's got a, a massive future ahead of him. So sit back, relax, enjoy this discussion. And I'll be back with you after this. Senator Matt Canavan, welcome to the Lyle Shelton Show. Rob, great to be here, Lyle. Good great. to join you in Rocky. Exactly. Great to be in your hometown in central Queensland. Uh, Matt, you and I have known each other for a few years. I think we first met uh, probably in Aussie's Cafe when you were Barnaby yeah, Joyce's yeah. staffer. Aussie's Cafe, for those who don't know, is um, sort of social central of Parliament House in Canberra. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I suppose that would probably be something like 10 years ago now. I uh, started working for Barnaby in 2010. Uh, and uh, I'm sure we would have been pretty heavily involved with you on a range of issues. As, yes, as you would have been at the time as the head of the Australian Christian Lobby. Yeah, uh, and I might have I might have even been 2IC at that stage when we right. first met. It was okay. a few years yep. ago, but I do remember vividly in Aussie's Cafe you pulling out your iPhone and showing me a YouTube clip of um, the life of Brian. Do you, oh, do you remember what that was yeah. about? Um, yeah, the box was another for the, the womb, right? You know, yeah, where's, where's yeah. it going to gestate? This was before the Safe Schools yeah, program yeah, even came yeah, along. Yeah, no, classic, I was Stan classic. saying, I want to be a woman. That's but, right, uh, classic yeah, scene. Yeah. They, they were well ahead of their time. They were well ahead of their time. Yeah. And we were ahead of our time. We had no um, idea this debate was coming yeah, down the road. But. Yeah, and it's funny now you see, yeah. uh, I think both John Cleese and was it Eric Idle the other day? One of the, uh, or is Eric still alive? I can't remember. Well, I think another of the Monty Python crew uh, has joined John Cleese in coming out against political correctness and yeah, good on you know how yeah. they just can't make a joke anymore, it's can you? If we keep this up, but but yeah, they were lampooning back then uh, the the sort of redefinition of language, effectively. So you've been politically uh, which, incorrect. Which we see all the time. You, you've been politically incorrect even before you became yeah. a senator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how have you found navigating the PC world of the Canberra bubble? Look, uh, I suppose I'm I'm in the lucky position that. Uh, uh, I don't rely on the approval of uh, the ABC or, or the uh, masters of public opinion uh, for my political brand. In fact, I, I revel in, in not having their approval, if you like. Yeah. Uh, you've probably seen recently a colleague of mine, Claire Chandler, is in a bit of yeah. hot water with the Tasmanian uh, Anti-Discrimination Commissioner mm. or some such, mm. criticising her for having the temerity to suggest that female bathrooms should be reserved for people of the female sex. Uh, um, and I was joking with her the other day that uh, is there any way you can get that Tasmanian Anti-Discrimination Commission to take complaint out on me as well? <laughs> because, you know, uh, uh, it's been great for Claire's profile and I know it must be a little bit uh, uh, frustrating to have to deal with these things, but 
uh, we need to take up the fight. Yeah, and yeah. I, and I, Look, I, you know, don't, I don't mind the opposition. That means you have an impact. Yeah, no, and she's been fantastic. I've been following that case uh, from mm. a distance. Uh, it's the same crowd there in Tasmania that took um, Archbishop yep. Julian Porteous, uh, well, same commission. Yep. Um, and I, I understand uh, just recently that they dropped her case because she refused to sign a confidentiality. Uh, agreement as part right. of the conciliation. So good honour for standing they up to them. Case, they, 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 they dropped Claire's case. They've oh. withdrawn the complaint. So, okay. But I, I, you may not be aware of the complaint against me, and uh, this is breaking here on the Lyle Shelton mm. show, but uh, I'm being sued by a couple of drag queens uh, here in, I, I in Queensland. Yep. Similar sort of process. So, yep. um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to, yeah, to go yeah. on. But what, what can we do to try and ensure that we keep free speech open so that people like Senator Chandler and myself and others mm. don't mm. get dragged between, before these kangaroo courts? Look, uh, it's, it's a difficult question. Uh, um, obviously, I'd prefer not to have these laws in place. Uh, uh, we're, we're trying ourselves here in, uh, in the Commonwealth Parliament to, to protect free speech mm. or free speech in regards to religious freedom, at least. Uh, I'm not so sure, though, sometimes that these are the best avenues because mm. effectively, I suppose, what we're setting up is uh, we're, we're, we're going down the route of if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of laws that are against, uh, uh, that restrict free speech, uh, where, where it might offend people effectively, mm. and, uh, mm. and the word offend is used in Section 18C, uh, for example. Uh, and now we're sort of doing something similar with religious freedom, so you can't offend people on yeah. religious grounds. So, I, I mean, I think it's better than nothing. Uh, in some respects, though, perhaps we should. Uh, reconsider whether some kind of Bill of Rights is is, is necessary, uh, especially post-COVID and the restrictions we've seen placed on people Gee, in that yeah. regard. Uh, uh, Surprised you know, look, yeah. look at the uh, situation in Ballarat with the, uh, the the mum, I can't quite remember her name, but uh, yes. you know, in her pyjamas getting arrested post, for a Facebook post. in front of her kids. I mean, yeah. She didn't yeah. do anything. Yeah. She, didn't, she didn't attend the protest. It was simply for something she had said online. Mm. Now, I know a Bill of Rights opens a whole other can of it worms, does, but yeah. that arrest couldn't have had in, happened in the United States of America. They, right. they would not have been able to do that. Because Interesting. Their, well, well Victoria actually protected. does have a Bill of Rights. It has a Charter mm. of Rights, which is the same thing, and yet she was not protected I there, presume so. that, I don't, haven't, haven't seen yeah. the Victorian Bill of Rights, but I mm. presume it doesn't have a, a capture-all sort of uh, protection of free speech, such as the US Bill. So. That's, I suppose, mm. it, it, obviously the devil's in the detail yeah, here. It's what yeah. you're protecting. Not, oh, it's not, interesting. Uh, I didn't, I didn't anticipate itself. getting into a, an argument with you over um, Bill of Rights, but what, one of the things that um, I was engaged in at ACL before your time, mm. uh, before I think you even came to work with Barnaby, was uh, what was really a two-year battle against Kevin Rudd's uh, proposed Charter of Rights. And um, we worked very hard with people like Bob Carr, former mm. New South Wales Premier, to try and stop that. And we succeeded. That was one campaign that, mm. that we won. Um, because of the concern about um, transferring power from the legislature to the judiciary, which is mm. essentially what a, a charter of rights would do. But um, well, look, uh, yeah, we we uh, in the same-sex marriage debate, this issue came up a little as well. Uh, we've we've signed up to the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. Yep. And in that covenant, there is protection for religious freedom, for the rights mm. of the child. Uh, that I don't think are, are faithfully adhered to in some of the legislation that's been progressed for same-sex marriage. Yep. Uh, myself and George Brand has tried to move some amendments uh, to effectively enshrine the ICCPR uh, I remember clauses. that well, yeah. You know, George being a prominent supporter of uh, same-sex marriage and mm. 
but I worked with him to try mm. and get some kind of consensus. Well, so it was pretty dispiriting that even that limited yeah. attempt to protect, you know, someone's yeah. ability to to defend uh, the tr a traditional view of marriage. Mm. George supported. George supported yeah, people's yeah. right to be able to, to defend a traditional view of marriage. But even that attempt failed. It yeah. was, I think, one of the closest votes on the amendments in the Act. I, it was pretty close, but it still Yeah, failed. I can't remember how each of those votes... I do remember those amendments very well. Mm. Uh, I do remember George also being a strong opponent of a charter or bill of rights. Mm. But mm. And I understand where you're coming I'm not here to sort of, mm. um, you know, uh, pick you up necessarily, but um, I, I know the intent is to protect freedoms. And, and mm. that's the discussion that we've got to have because we seem to have some very flawed anti-discrimination laws. Um, Section 18C of the Federal Racial Discrimination Act, which you just mentioned, mirroring legislation mm. at state-based level, and that's what's tripped up uh, Senator Chandler, it's what's mm. tripped up me. That's what those amendments were trying to uh, to achieve at the end of the same-sex marriage debate, to make sure those anti-discrimination laws weren't weaponised, which of course mm. they have mm. been in a, in a post-same sex marriage world. And I guess there's some unfinished business there to, to protect uh, freedom of speech. Maybe if I can better clarify my mm. emerging views on this issue <laughs> is, um, uh, I think let's take away the, the, the loaded label of Bill of Rights. Mm. The real issue is should we have a positive protection mm. of free speech mm. uh, so that it's sort of the default is you can say whatever you like and then there will be obviously some limitations mm. regarding defamation, slander, those sort of things and vilification, incitement mm. of violence, all those things should be illegal. Yeah. Or, or do we sort of start with a restrictive view and then prescribe these are the things you can say yeah. uh, that, are, that are sort of whitelisted and, and I suppose this whole experience of the Falao debate, mm. same-sex marriage, mm. uh, and and some of the restrictions in the in the coronavirus, maybe started to put me in the camp that maybe we do actually need uh, to say forcefully in our law that that we live in a society where the default option yeah. is you can say what you like. Mm. Uh, as I say, it's never going to be completely unrestricted. Yeah, subject to should, defamation yeah, exactly. laws, you can't yell fire in a theatre. That, yeah. that sort of, and yeah. incite violence. I mean, yeah, I think right. definitely yeah. inciting violence yeah. um, is where we should draw the line. Yeah. But, but yeah. offending someone, vilifying, these yeah. very subjective words which yeah. are in our anti-discrimination legislative architecture um, are, are now being weaponised by mm. activists. But yeah. look, good discussion, Matt. Um, I want to um, talk about some other things as well. I, I've been following um, your contribution to the national debate on energy policy and um, particularly the issue of, uh, of, of coal and coal-fired mm. power stations. I have friends, I'm sure you do as well, who are good conservative people, vote Liberal, National all the time, but um, go and you know, hear Al Gore when he's in town and, and are really concerned about climate change, mm. and of course we should be concerned about climate change, but they think that you can run a modern economy on wind and solar power, and uh, you know, I think we'd all like to think that you could do that, but you just can't, can you? Look, uh, I, I'm being pretty consistent on this issue. Uh, uh, I'm not anti-renewable uh, energy. No, no, uh, and I'm not either, but uh, I, you I, want the lights I, to stay yeah, on and jobs I, to stay I've here. I've got solar panels on our, on our own roof. Well, it was a house we bought. I probably wouldn't choose to put them up. <laughs> I didn't take them down, let's put it that way. So I didn't, I didn't <laughs> say, OK, let's go get rid of them and destroy uh, this type of energy. I didn't, you're I showing your true colours now. <laughs> I, I wasn't that proactive in that regard. So I've got, I'm not against these forms yeah. of energy, but I'm... I, uh, they've got limitations, mm. uh, and and you're right to point out that there are some who want to be blind, or, mm. or I think sometimes willfully blind, to the limitations of uh, newer forms of energy. Uh, and when I, well, I say newer, uh, I mean we've used the sun and wind as human beings for centuries, long before yeah, coal-fired power was in place mm. to provide energy. Uh, there are of course new 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 techniques and tools like wind turbines, modern wind turbines, uh, voltaic mm. cells which are capturing that in a more efficient way. But you still can't run the, them when they're at night. Mm. You still can't 
uh, do it when the wind doesn't blow. I mean, something simple, we're getting our roof replaced at the moment because we had some hail around this area and, and some people are in there. If we were completely solar, what would we be, I got home to yeah. the, the roof of our balconies mm. off and I thought, what would we be doing right now yeah. if we just had solar panels and batteries? Mm. We wouldn't have power for a few weeks, basically. Uh, but because we're hooked up to the grid, uh, we've got coal-fired power, we've got gas-fired power, we've got all these types of power. So the question is, are we going to keep are we going to keep all of these types of powers just simply back up for the future mm. when the sun doesn't shine or the wind doesn't blow? If we do that, our power will end up being very costly because all these things have to be paid for mm. just to sit idle. Mm. You know, a coal-fired power station sitting idle costs a lot of money. And I don't think it's particularly smart. Mm. I think the coronavirus has shown how important it is to get our manufacturing yeah. sector back and we're not going to have a strong manufacturing so sector on renewables alone. Our policy of um, taxpayer subsidised renewable energy over the last decade or, or more has um, resulted in our electricity prices going through the roof. Um, we're losing baseload power from the grid. We've seen it in Victoria. We've seen blackouts as a direct result of mm. the loss of coal-fired power stations there. We know even Malcolm Turnbull was uh, begging AGL not to close down Liddell Power Station. Um, there's a real crunch point coming there. Uh, the Prime Minister's announced gas to, to mm. be the firming uh, baseload ingredient there. Um, it does seem, and, and you, you've pointed out quite you know, controversially, I, I suppose, um, that in South Australia they could have spent $26 million on uh, upgrading their coal-fired power station. They chose not to and spent, I think, $300 million on gas. Mm. And we're about to do that at a national level mm. um, when this uh, next crunch point comes in New South Wales. Um, mm. Why... Why is it that we can't carry a debate in this country um, or carry the people with us to use our most abundant and cheapest form of energy instead of putting a gas-fired power station in the middle of one of the biggest coal reserves on the planet? I, I suppose I'd somewhat question the, the premise you've just put at the end there. Uh, I, I don't think uh, building a new coal-fired power station would be unpopular. Well, well sorry, I, I don't uh, either, but it seems like well, politics I, I doesn't mean, want to carry yeah, the debate. Yeah, well, I suppose uh, some... Uh, 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 it would be controversial. You do. You do. It would be um, controversial. You wouldn't get 100% support. No. Uh, As you won't for gas either. That's uh, right. You'd have a significant minority opposed uh, to a new coal-fired power station. I think there would be a, a minority. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, there's a poll taken recently in Townsville. And yes, Townsville's not the country, but a poll in Townsville showed 80% support for a new coal-fired <laughs> power Townsville, station. Yeah. Go Townsville, I think it's probably similar here in Rocky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, uh, so... I suppose uh, my my concern is there is a there is some degree of uh, willingness to compromise on these issues mm. in these debates, rather than show a certain level of leadership and say, mm. okay, let's do this. Let, let's yeah. let, we, we, our goal is to bring manufacturing back, bring you know, yep. energy prices down, and we're going to do whatever we can to get to the goal. Which is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's but great to we're see all that. too focused on the means yep. and trying to get people to support. The and means. is that because the debate has run away from us over the last decade or so, as the the Greens and and the left of Labor and the media have have carried this um, climate alarmist narrative? I mean, even you know some of the environmentalists are walking back from this, Michael Shell. Burger. Even um, mm. Michael Moore himself has mm. um, you know, pointed out that renewables can't do the job in his film. And, and of course, mm. Bjorn mm. Lomberg you know, um, just says, look, you know, we're spending all this money. Um, mm. it's, it's not efficient. Um, we're better to adapt rather than destroy our economies. I, I mean, but I don't think the public, under people who don't read the Australian newspaper, don't understand any of what I've just said. But again, we're said. not losing the debate. Well, uh, well we I have mean, in, that, I mean, in that we don't feel like there's... Um, there's uh, you know, enough political capital to say, let's replace Liddell. Yeah, sure, that's a decision that's been made in the fight. last few months. Yeah. Um, but, that, but in terms of the public debate, every time the, the coalition or the conservative side of politics has gone forward and said, 
we're going to oppose a carbon tax. Uh, hmm. uh, uh, we're going to back the Adani You've been backed by the electorate. We've won. Yeah. We've won and won easily. Uh, uh, and 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 keep in mind now, Labor has dropped their 2030 target. Mm, that's right. Uh, so yes, you are uh, making big. And know, Anastasia you know, Palaszczuk just approved yeah, well, a big olive downs mine. Well, Palaszczuk. <laughs> well, I probably have time to go into that. She hasn't really approved it, but I won't distract you. She got a headline. <laughs> She's that trying effect. to approve it, and, and that's uh, that shows and uh, uh, that shows something in of itself. That the past week, Labor, yeah. the Labor Party here in Queensland have basically spent mm. the whole time talking about coal. Unbelievable. They did a deal with Adani mm. three yeah. years ago at the election. They were pulling out of Adani. Exactly. This time they're trying to desperately show we love yeah. Adani. Yeah. And that, so, so standing up and showing leadership mm. on that issue mm. on the Adani mine has mm. changed the country. Mm. And I would say uh, the same with yourself and, the, and the, the excellent book you've just written, political leadership matters. Mm. You know, taking a stance that might be controversial, might not be even majority support at the time, it can make a difference uh, and change the country for the better. So, and this, this is, I guess, the point of this discussion we've been having about free speech and our energy policy. Um, do you, what more can be done, do you think, on the conservative side of politics? And I guess this is my critique, and it's, it's in the book, um, uh, that cons the conservative side of politics doesn't seem to carry the argument uh, as well and sustain the arguments in the public square in the same way that the crazy left do. I mean, 30 years ago when the Greens started going on about some of these sort of things, they were seen as the fringe dwellers. Now their policy has become almost mainstream, it would seem. And I take your point about the electorate, yeah. you know, um, going with you on certain things. But it's very hard uh, for our... Well, well to, to the point now where we can't just go and build a coal-fired power station because a whole bunch of people in Sydney and Melbourne who are Conservative voters um, would find that distasteful. So have we got to do more to sustain our arguments uh, look, and be uh, more, you know, uh, more vocal? Uh, I mean, uh, look, I... I uh uh, uh, I'm an advocate for showing political leadership mm. on these issues. I, mm. I recognise that's easy to say as a senator for Queensland, where support for that, so I understand yeah. the difficulty of others. I, I, as I said, I, I wouldn't underestimate the victory we had on some of these mm. points. Mm. Uh, we are not going to... You made the comparison to the Greens. <clears throat> the Greens didn't emerge 30 or 40 years ago and legislate same-sex marriage the next day. No. Uh, or, or end coal mining the next day. They have adopted an approach of incrementalism that has incrementally, over time, progressed their agenda and has delivered significant victories, political victories, for them as a party. We've got to do the same. We've got to, we've got to incrementally uh, push our own uh, point of view. Uh, we are not... If, you're, if you think that, you know, you get involved in politics and within a year everything will be in the yeah. world as you see yeah. it, well, that's not how it works. Uh, uh, you can only change things one step at a time yeah. in life, and especially in a democracy where you have to take people yeah. with you so I, I would say we've made some progress on that. Uh, you know, we had the world against us on that at Darnie yeah. and it's up and running. We've got 1,500 yeah, people well working. well done. Congratulations. So that's a great thing mm. for our town yeah. in Rockhampton. They're flying out of here. No, and and we just got to do the same with these other issues too. And you're dead right. Look, I, I remember before you worked for Barnaby, I had a little stint working for him and Ron Boswell. And, and I remember at the time the Greens, led by Bob Brown, were saying, we want to end coal mining. This was in about 2006, mm. 2007. Mm. And I, I thought that will never happen. Mm. But, but we're at the point now where we've got major banks who won't fund sure. coal mines. Sure. Um, so yeah, the, the point is. Oh yeah, look, it, that, that, it's not the war is not over. Yeah, um, yeah. that's for sure. Uh, but as I said, look, look at the Queensland Labor Party. Yeah. You know, they, they, they've done an about turn, and that, it, what it takes is people just to stand yeah. up. Right? Like if you want to change the yeah. world, you got to turn up. Yeah, no, and people appreciate you turning up, Matt. Um, just turning to another area of policy that you've been vocal about in, in the past, and that's um, tax policy. You're a former economist with the Productivity Commission, very smart man with numbers. You did some uh, modelling some years back that showed that 
um, a, a couple with, with children, uh, with, with one parent at home looking after the children, working in the, in the home, yeah. doing domestic duties, that they would be penalised by our tax system um, to the tune of about $10,000 a year. That's a, that's a pretty big penalty yeah. on, a, on, a, on a family who, who want to exercise that choice to have one partner staying in the home. Yeah. Do, you, do you think there's room for um, more to be done on that um, and more advocacy? Um, I think the, the environment right now is difficult for progress on, uh, on, on family-based taxation or, or income splitting, uh, as it's mm. probably more directly known. Uh, I did advocate that, I was still an advocate for mm. it. Uh, the, the difficulty, of, I'll put it starkly, if we were to move our tax system to the US-based system, where uh, couples can 100% can split their income, they can split their income across both uh, both um, uh, uh, parents or both both partners in the household have a full household-based taxation system. That would cost us something like $12 billion a year. Now, we are about to hit a trillion dollars in yep. debt. I suppose you could rant and argue, well, what's another $12 billion now? <laughs> We've gotten used to spending this amount of money. Uh, but I, I, I do think very soon as a country we're going to have to face some pretty tough decisions about our public finances uh, after the coronavirus all ends. And so shifting and doing tax reform on that sort of scale is going to be very difficult. Mm. So I'd like, I am really keen to try and think about ways we could still do something like this in an affordable way. Uh, but those limitations are real ones and it's just going to make it a little there, difficult. Yeah, I, I take your point about, um, you know, we, we just don't have a, a magic money tree, particularly in this current environment and, mm. and the debt is a massive, massive issue. But there's an equity issue though, isn't there? Because sure. there are parents uh, who are both working who, who are getting yeah. essentially taxpayer subsidies for childcare, which um, the stay-at-home parent uh, doesn't get. So, but, but you know, that's... Well, how absurd is this? I mean, you now, I don't know if you've followed it much, but there is a big push underway to make childcare free. Mm. The Greens again. Uh, uh, yeah, well, not just the Greens, there's a whole industry in saying that. That's a coronavirus recovery mm. model. Uh, so I suppose on this issue, it might be more just trying to stop further silly policy than roll back what's there because of the issues of the, the debt we have. I, I mean, I'm, all, I'm not against childcare and, and every parent has to make their own decision. Uh, but paying each other to look after each other's kids you know, it's equivalent to paying each other to do each other's washing, right? Like if we paid, if I paid you to do my washing and you paid me to do my washing, my laundry, uh, GDP would be higher. Right? GDP would be higher because we've both just done a money transaction, right? <laughs> Money's changed hands. We've done each yeah. other's laundry. GDP is higher, and that's what you'll hear from the advocates of this uh, of, of free childcare. GDP will be higher, but no more laundry was getting done, right? <laughs> we were doing each other's laundry, we we're doing our own laundry, and then we just we just decided to make it part of the formal economy which GDP measures and captures. As an economist, I know well that GDP is not a precise measure of welfare uh, or happiness or, mm. or, or the utility of a, of a good society. It's a proxy for those things. Mm. And it's usually a pretty good proxy, but it does fall down when we have these kind of debates uh, and the family gets involved. Mm. Uh, you know, the, 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 the one thing we can't forget is I, I support market economy, capitalism, all those mm. things. It's generally the best way, I think, to organise society and distribute scarce resources. But there still is communism. Communism still exists in our society. Mm. It's in every family. You know, families aren't run on a market basis, yeah. you know. Uh, and I don't think it should be. Uh, families are run as a, effectively a little commune, uh, but they're a small commune that works, yeah. uh, and they do need to be given distinct value separate to the market system. And, and there's always great truth to every lie, of course, and, and of course we're meant to live in, in community. Uh, you, you mentioned the washing. Um, you, you made the news because you, um, and this is going back to this, how we started this conversation with about political correctness, you erected a 
clothesline for your wife in your backyard and, and put that on social media and um, and all the lovies <laughs> went crazy over that. Sometimes I just uh, love I mean, I, You did that on purpose, yeah, didn't you? Well, well I, I crafted it. I didn't put the clothesline up for that reason. Uh, the, it was much more mundane. We, we did some extensions and our old clothesline got taken down. Uh, but uh, when it was erected, I, I thought I could have some real fun. We, we, the, the clothesline had been delivered on the Friday before Mother's Day. Purely, <laughs> absolutely coincidental. You're an amazing, say, amazing, amazing husband. Chuck it up on the Saturday <laughs> and then I put up on Twitter, well, um, the missus loves her early Mother's Day present. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was going to happen. And uh, if there's one thing that lefties are known for, mate, they're predictable. They that's are. for sure. They and are. Uh, they, they predictably went off about that. Yeah. Well, Senator Matt Canavan, you've been very generous with your time. Appreciate you being on the Lyle Shelton Show and um, your voice in this country is very much appreciated, I'm sure, by all our viewers. Well, thanks to you too, Lyle, uh, and great work on the book. Uh, uh, your you. listeners should all go get a copy. Well done. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that uh, discussion with Senator Matt Canavan. Uh, I'm sure you'll agree uh, he is a, a fine thinker and uh, he's certainly someone to watch. Uh, if you haven't yet got a copy of my book, I kid you not, Notes from 20 Years in the Trench of the, of the Culture War, uh, can I encourage you to do so? They're available at lyleshelton.com.au. Uh, as I keep saying on this show, I, I've been blown away by the support uh, that I've been getting for the book. At the launch here this week, uh, people drove from the Sunshine Coast to Rockhampton to be at this launch. A man drove down from Mackay, a four-hour drive, and a woman drove in from Theodore, uh, two and a half hours west of here. Uh, I'm humbled by the interest that people are showing, uh, by the sales figures, over 2,000 copies sold, and uh, I really believe in the message uh, that this book has, uh, what it says about uh, the brokenness of our politics, and how if we can become better educated about what's going on and demand something better from our leaders, both in politics and in the church, uh, we can perhaps see uh, a turnaround in our society from the slide that we've been experiencing. So can I encourage you, get a copy of, I kid you not, Notes from 20 Years in the Trenches of the Culture War, available at lyleshelton.com.au. Well, that's it for me this week uh, on another episode of The Lyle Shelton Show. Uh, let me just say a big shout out to Dave Pellow and uh, his team of volunteers at The Good Source News for producing my show. It's a massive privilege to be part of this platform. So thanks again, and uh, please uh, join me again next week for another episode of The Lyle Shelton Show. The Lyle Shelton Show is a production of The Good Source, hosted by Lyle Shelton. To watch, listen to, or read more content without the SJW PC fact filter, visit goodsource.news, good, S-A-U-C-E dot news. Become a Good Source supporter for exclusive access to live and unedited interview recordings, including the conversations before and after the show.